You are now entering the Nintendo Power Zone. Now you're podcasting with power. Welcome back. I'm Mario After Party with 91983. You're listening to the Nintendo Power Zone Podcast, our year in review, and it is the month of August, where we will be talking about the Tomei Z-Ring, and nobody knows as much about the Tomei Z-Ring as Nice One, because you can watch his review on the YouTube channel. Nice One, let's give him a recap. Oh, man. So, guys, the Z-Ring, not for Pokemon Sun and Moon. Basically, they found a way to release a toy that could be interactive with a video game and not be an amiibo. This thing is actually pretty incredible. So, there it goes. You can hear it. So, you strap your Z-Ring on your wrist. You put in your Z-Crystal. You select a Z-Move in the game. Your Z-Ring starts to vibrate. Now, this is basically an upgrade of the Mega Bangle that was released by Tommy. Uh, for Pokemon X and Y and Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire that work with their arcade game Pokemon by Trio. This works with Pokemon Sun and Moon. This is one of the coolest pieces of... Well, I don't really want to call it tech because it's pretty low grade, but this is one of the coolest things that was released for Nintendo Pro- uh, anything this year. This is a badass way to make Pokemon Sun and Moon pretty interactive, and it was a damn cool announcement, and I knew that once they showed it, it was something that I had to have uh, now, this is a lot better than the um, the Mega Bangle that came out or the Mega Ring because this actually fits on an adult wrist. You saw me put it on if you're watching the video version. It does fit, which was a big problem with the Mega Bangle. That thing was tiny. It couldn't fit. And you've got skinnier wrists than I do, and I guarantee you that thing doesn't fit. But it was such a cool announcement because Pokemon Sun and Moon were still so anticipated at that point in time that... Any news coming out about Pokemon Sun and Moon was big news. So, very cool. And the Z-Crystals alone, I would have just bought the Z-Crystals by themselves. But the fact that you get the whole bracelet, that shit was pretty cool to me. Let's go ahead and hit up September. So, in America, they announced the NES Classic back in July. But in September, Japan got the announcement of the Famicom Classic. Basically, they got a mini Famicom. Uh, It's a little bit different than the NES Classic. They do have seven games that are different from the American counterparts because, as retro gamers should know, that not all the games that came out in Japan actually came out in America. So they actually have a slightly different uh, game selection list on the Famicom Classic. Again, they also have 30 games, but they're and they get two controllers with the Famicom Classic. But... They're mini controllers. So with the NES Classic, the controller that comes with it is the same size as the original NES controller. Because the controllers actually get docked into the Famicom, they're actually half the size of what they were originally. Um, That wouldn't work in America with our big hands. It it looks cool, though. I was watching uh, video reviews. I was watching the announcement trailer for it. It looks amazing because the Famicom actually looked 
really it was a really nicely designed console now in america when they released the original nes they wanted to make it not look like a video game console that was the issue that was the deal nintendo of america said we will bring this console to america if it doesn't look like a video game console and that's because of the market crash of 1983 caused by et thank you steven spielberg um and Americans, they were just highly skeptical of video games. They wanted really nothing to do with it. So they had to market the NES in in certain ways. It had to be a toy. That's why Rob the Robot was an initial pack-in with the NES and the Zapper. So, that, you know, the, the gun and the, and the robot made it look like a toy. But the unit itself was designed to look like a VCR, which was in literally every household in America back in 1985. But with the Famicom, they didn't have the you know the the video game crash of 1983, so it could look like a video game console. Thus, why we have different looking consoles that play basically the same game library. But the Famicom Classic was released was announced in September, and it looks really good. It I almost prefer it over the NES Classic, and not gonna lie, I did yesterday get on Amazon and import a Famicom Classic. You did? I so did. Wow. I went on uh, Amazon Japan and I ordered one and I'm having it shipped here because reasons. You don't need a reason. Collectors. Collector yeah. reasons. No reason necessary. <laughs> it's it, a, it does look sleek. Uh, I do like the look and the design. I still prefer the American NES, but Japan, you know, the way that, the, like you said, with the controllers being functional and actually docking in the system it is pretty cool and i like the the whole packaging with the famicom but the it does have the same problem that the american unit has with the the the, the length of the cable is two and a half feet long so it's very small and it's even worse on the famicom mini because the famicom mini is designed to replicate the famicom classic the controllers are actually attached to the back of the unit. Yeah, the that's one thing that I really hope Nintendo fixes with future releases of the NES Mini. I don't have one yet, uh, so I hope that when I finally am able to go out and find one, that they have increased the length of the controllers because that is an issue. There is a way around it. You, um, There's actually more than one way around it. So I have but. Two separate ways. So I went and I bought the Edge uh, arcade stick, which has a nine-foot cable. Mm -hmm. uh, they just released that because that product was recalled. They re-released it with an adapter that makes it work with the NES Classic, or there is actually an extension cable that gets you in the you know an additional eight feet that you just plug into the uh, the Wii U port, and that's that's the little the trade-off. I mean. I, I mean, and then, guys, if you're really savvy and you don't mind wires, you could just buy a long HDMI cable. There are ways around it. I, I'm one of those people who buys longer HDMI cables anyway, so I actually really didn't need the extension cable. I bought it, you know, for when we move. I don't know what kind of a – how long or how big my living room is going to be. So Yeah, there, I, there are ways around it, but it does need to be fixed, and hopefully the um, – the controller length is increased. Um, also in September, Pokemon Go Plus launched. 
And that is another product that I still don't have on top of the NES Classic. And the difference there is that I don't think I will be buying Pokemon Go Plus in the future, even though I have seen them available. They are um, much easier to find now. You know, you have one. You said that you've really enjoyed um, using it. There have been some bugs that, that have been fixed with it. I just, um, unless my my playtime increases for Pokemon Go, I don't think I'm going to get one. Now, that could change when Gen 2 comes out, but I just, I can't justify it anymore. If I could have found one during the first few weeks of its release, I would have purchased one, but Nintendo missed the boat with that, and it did hurt their sales. Despite the fact that it was successful and they did make a lot of money off it, they could have made even more had they had enough in stock for everybody. I am one of those, you know, hardcore Pokemon Go players that just couldn't find one, and now, you know, I, I still don't have one. And I'm level 32, you know, so I've played the game quite a bit and invested quite a, a significant amount of time in Pokemon Go, but as as far as getting that plus, man, I, I just, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see with Gen 2, but right now, I, I have no plans for it. I've enjoyed my Pokemon Go Plus. I actually like wearing it uh, just because it it's just a way to show off, like, your fandom at one point. You know, as a non-functional piece of uh, as a non-functional clothing item, it's a nice way to show off the Pokemon love that I have. Uh, and then it functions pretty well. It, it works 90% of the time. It does have a few connection issues every so often, and that pisses me off. But it works 99% of the time. Uh, while September, September was actually a pretty crazy month. So Pokemon Go was announced for the Apple Watch during Apple's keynote. Uh, which, if you don't want to buy the Pokemon Go Plus and you feel like buying the $300 watch is your, is your way of rectifying the Pokemon Go Plus solution, you had that option. That got announced at the keynote. Um, that just recently came out, right? Yeah, it just came out this month. Uh, it's, it's a weird solution for me because it's like, you know, it's, it's a product that is directly competing with Pokemon Go Plus, yet is kind of vital for the success of Pokemon Go as a whole. Like, you, like all these like ad upgrades and 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 uh, updates, they're kind of essential to how Pokemon Go will continue to grow. If it does continue to grow, it needs to have these kind of options available to it. Uh, that being said, this is a direct. You know, this this. The Apple Watch and the functionality of Pokemon Go on the Apple Watch directly competes with Pokemon Go Plus. So I'm actually surprised Nintendo didn't try to nip that in the bud. Uh, but well, I mean, they happens. must have a good relationship with Apple, though, especially if they, you know, did that exclusive um, Super Mario Run release on iOS, which we will be getting into later. Um, you know, Nintendo's relationship with Apple does seem to be pretty positive at the moment. No, no, no. That I think that's the. I think that's what we can take away here is that we can move forward and talk about Super Mario Run, which also got announced at the very same keynote. They brought Shigeru Miyamoto out on stage, which it's been a while since we've seen him come out on a stage. I mean, 
basically E3 2011 when they announced the Wii U was the last time I remember seeing him on a stage and announcing some kind of Nintendo product. And it was it was a moment because it, it's a it's a bigger moment than we actually gave it time for. You know, we talked about it in the in an episode of the Pokemon Corner. We actually didn't. We could have spent a whole episode just talking about the ramifications of Nintendo releasing software, actual software, on a console or a unit that they themselves don't produce. Like, we live in a very different world from, you know, the war of 1985. In 1985, Nintendo dominated. They ran the world with their consoles. Hey, they, you could have even said they dominated during the, the era of the Wii just because of its massive, massive sales. Oh, yeah. Never did I imagine that in my lifetime Nintendo would be releasing games of any sort, regardless of what your feelings on Mitomo and Mario Run are. I never thought in my lifetime that I'd see Nintendo release a game on a console that they didn't manufacture themselves. They, we, they, it, that announcement right. has a lot of ramifications. It's a brave new world we live in, well, man. Technically, it's not a console because it, it is mobile gaming, but you're right. It's hardware that they themselves did not make so and they don't get as much money from those games because they have to pay apple 30 percent because it's in the app store just like when it comes out for the android they're still going to have to pay google 30 percent because that's going to be coming out of the google play store uh we will get into our thoughts and opinions on super mario run but first let's move on to the month of october we only have one talking point but it's a biggie biggest Biggest news announcement of 2016. We, we realize that the Nintendo console coming out in 2017 is not going to be called the NX. It is the Nintendo Switch. And the Nintendo Switch was revealed in a glorious and actually highly informative commercial explaining everything that the console could do. That, that, that tra- I think I watched that trailer a hundred times. That yeah, first day. That trailer, I watched it a lot too. It was pretty amazing. At one point, I was pausing the trailer. Like, I looked like a Korean playing fucking League of Legends. That's how many times I was clicking my mouse. Not racist, guys. That's just... No, because Koreans, one, I just wanted to see what my what it was like. No, Koreans dominate esports. The fact. I, I, moving I, on. I watched, that, <laughs> I watched that trailer. I was pausing as quick as my fingers could click the mouse. That trailer was phenomenal. Like, I woke up that morning just to watch the trailer. Like, that was not, not, I mean, like, when I woke up, the first thing I did was run to my computer because I woke up with, like, five minutes before that trailer was supposed to be broadcast live on YouTube. I yes. was up, and I was so excited. And then they showed it, and they showed what it could do. Then they showed some game. They showed a Mario game. They showed basketball. They showed fucking... Uh, that one game by uh, Thor. Oh, yeah, the Skyrim. Skyrim. They show Skyrim, and they, you know, possibly a new Mario Kart game and a new Splatoon game. Possibly. Oh my God! The ending, Splatoon esports in an arena. In an arena. Japan versus America. At least that's what it looked like. I was just like, Oh my God, this is amazing! But then they showed how Nintendo has always been a company divided. The if you're a Nintendo fan like a real hardcore Nintendo fan, your whole life, you have supported two consoles. And yes, Game Boy. 
you know, and the, obviously in the Super NES, you still had your Game Boy, your iterations of the Game Boy during the Super NES era, all the way up until we got the Game Boy Advance in 2001. And then 2001, you had your GameCube and your Game Boy Advance. Uh, moving on to 2004, you had your uh, DS. And then you had in 2006, your Wii. You've always supported multiple consoles if you're a true hardcore Nintendo fan. We've always been divided. We're always You're always buying games for multiple consoles. This is the first time that they've made a console that is both for the home and portable. We are... We, yeah, we may this we may have seen the end of Nintendo's traditional handheld hardware with their unveiling of this. If the Switch takes off, we'll never see another dedicated handheld Nintendo device ever again. And I mean, exciting. It's that's exciting, but at the same time, it's also kind of sad to be putting away. You know, I actually do the majority of my Nintendo gaming on handhelds. Yes, and you can listen to our uh, episode on the history of Nintendo handhelds and their competition. But one of the important things that we talk about at the end of that episode is whether or not, you know, Nintendo is going to merge the handheld with the home console in the Switch or if the 3DS can actually exist alongside it. Um, and my opinion is that the 3DS is going to exist at least for the foreseeable future just because of the price points. The demographic for the Switch is definitely older. It's skewed more towards the millennial generation, um, especially, you know, if you look at that trailer, it's a lot of people in their 20s and 30s. The 3DS is cheaper, and parents are, are a lot more willing to spend the amount of money it costs to purchase a 3DS or a 2DS for their child than to get them a Nintendo Switch that they're probably going to break. Well, the cool thing about the Switch, though, was just the kind of hype that it actually got. Oh, yeah. It, like we've been talking about, you know, the stigma, it, you know, of Nintendo only being a console maker for children or only coming out with games that are like kitty. I think that it really, one of the good things about 2016 is that it's kind of been wiped away because the Switch got the kind of hype from the non-Nintendo fan community, like from people that are currently playing an Xbox or a PS4. It got hype even from though that part of the gaming world. Oh, well, you know what? We let, you know, and, and going on with that, Nintendo was really good at marketing themselves in 2016 as a whole. Let's go back to August because there's something we did forget in August. Nintendo closed out the Olympics. We forgot about that, but Nintendo closed out the Olympics. And that was huge. That was huge to see like all that Mario love at the Olympic at the end closing ceremony, the Olympic Games, to see Mario. The Olympic crowd is not traditionally what you would consider a crowd of gamers. No, and uh, you're right, because the 2020 Olympics are going to be held in Tokyo. So that is probably the biggest platform Nintendo has ever had to be able to market their characters. And you know, that's like Prince when he played at the Super Bowl and saying Purple Rats was literally like the same kind of moment. Well, and the fact that Japan was 
you know, perfectly on board with saying, you know what, let's, instead of creating a mascot for the Olympics, like every Olympics does where they come up with some cheap generic character that they have to come up with that no one ever remembers or likes, let's use characters that truly represent, you know, Japanese gaming and, and the Japanese culture. Let's use the Nintendo universe IPs. Let's use Mario. Let's use Pikachu. Let's let's use characters that, you know, were created in Japan that that people instead of creating some generic character, let's use these guys. And Nintendo's probably pretty happy because that is is going to make them so much money. Well, the buzz that they got from that, like, it was all over the news the next day. It was all over the news that whole week. Mm -hmm. Nintendo closed out the Olympic Games and ushered in what could possibly be an amazing 2020 for them. Now, I know that's like four years off, but trust me, Nintendo, in, if, if the Switch takes off and Nintendo's riding high, 2020 is going to be a phenomenal year for them. And it's going to be a phenomenal reason for them for one other reason. And we're going to talk about that when we get to uh, November and December. Right. But, well, you know what? Before we move on to November, there is actually another um, small point I want to talk about for October. Um, throughout the year, Niantic has been doing Pokemon Go events to keep people coming back to the game and the Halloween event in particular was my favorite so far out of everything that they've done the you know double candy all of the extra Pokemon that appeared plus the double experience the ghost Pokemon double experience that's the best one they've done so far and um, that October event in my opinion has not yet been bested but they did have an event in November so moving on to November they did release Ditto, finally. Yes, Ditto, the first new Pokemon in Pokemon Go. Uh, Ditto hadn't had a region yet. They found his code in the game. It was speculated that he was going to be, like, for Brazil. And he actually wasn't released in any country. Well, there were some rumors that people were finding it in, like, South Africa. And I don't know if they were true, because people might have actually found Ditto there. But, um... You know, because you can get them anywhere in the world. Yeah. But I thought that maybe that was going to be Africa's regional Pokemon because that continent does not have a regional Pokemon right now. So, but it ended up just being a worldwide release for um, Ditto, and it was interesting. But ultimately, to call it an event instead of just to just do it was kind of this. Well, especially considering that Ditto is still easily attainable. I yes. mean, if you capture like a, a ton of, I think the actual catch ratio is what they figured out is 60 to one. So for every 60 Pidgeys and Rattatas you catch, you will catch one ditto. One of them will be a ditto is the actual mm -hmm. rate. Uh, might be, I mean, it might be higher or lower, but I mean, you can still catch a ditto. I currently have 15 dittos and that's more than me. And that's literally because of Pokemon Go Plus is because I'm always pressing my Pokemon Go Plus, and it's always catching the Dittos for me. Now, the first few times I caught a Ditto, it was exciting because of the animation that happens. It's like, oh, instead of, it's like when you hatch an egg, but yeah, that happened. Biggest news story of November, though. There were two, actually. So the NES Classic was released, 
and they sold like 198,000 units in you know the first week of its availability and then you just couldn't find it and you still can't find it and we I went to great lengths to get one uh, it took my whole family unit to be able to find an NES classic for me but I did get it so thank you everybody who helped me get an NES classic but Pokemon Sun and Moon were released in November on the 18th, man. Yes, giving us a new outlet for our Pokemon obsession, which was a good thing because by the end of October, I had stopped playing Pokemon Go, and I I didn't play Pokemon Go hardly at all through the entire month of November because I was not happy with... The fact that we still didn't have trading PvP battles, the list goes on and on. But basically, just the novelty um, had kind of worn off with the game, and I kind of just got bored of it. So Pokemon Sun and Moon was released, and, you know, of course, we knew that it was going to be good, but how good? Is this going to be, like, good that, you know, we, we pick it up, put our 70, 80 hours into it, and then put it back down? Or is this going to be, like, the best generation to date and so far it is i have put in over a hundred hours into this game and it seems like just effortlessly it's like a hundred hours just flew by and it's for me the best generation to date oh i love it it is definitely the best in a series and they made so many changes to the game the that i hope stick with the franchise as a whole i mean you know i do miss gym leaders um, the the traditional sense of the word gym leaders, but the kahunas and the uh, the trial captains sort of perform that function. I mean, there is a little bit of, I mean, the kahunas all have really big fanfare except for the police officer. He's kind of a douche. Doesn't really do anything, but and his he doesn't really have a trial either. But I mean, that game is just really really fun, and it's it, it it's not a baby game. Like, it's not as easy as I would have thought. Thinking, seeing as how there are no gym leaders, I thought this game would be more of a cakewalk, but no. And the changes they made to the battle system, those have been, those are welcome. Like, this game is really, really going to have a competitive meta. Yes, it's a reflection of Nintendo's increased attention that they are giving to the esports community and their increased interest in a community that, for a long time, they kind of shunned. And now, you know, they came out with Pokemon Sun and Moon. And even though it's, you know, technically the Pokemon Company and Game Freak, it is designed with battling in mind. And a lot of, even a lot of old moves, like, um, for example, like, uh, like Will-O-Wisp or Thunder, Thunder Wave, doesn't have a uh, 100% accuracy anymore, and uh, it I think it only reduces the speed by 50%. Whereas if you were paralyzed before, it was reduced by 75%. Um, and then confusion, they changed like a lot of changes that people you might even if you have the game you might not know these things. Like confusion, uh, it, it used to be that you had a 50% chance of hurting yourself if you were confused, but that's dropped now. So it's, you only have a 33% chance of hurting yourself. So if you're confused, it's still, it's going to be more likely now with the new change that 
you're going to get to pull off your move. So they really tweaked the battle system, not just by adding exclusive abilities and moves to these Pokemon, but by changing the old moves, old status conditions, to make it so that the game was more balanced, which I think shows a lot in some of the the um, Pokemon that were released that normally you would think that they would get banned uh, from competitive gameplay like, like the Ultra Beasts. Um, and the Ultra Beasts are actually usable. They're not... You know, Lunala and Solgaleo are, are still banned because they would be considered OP, but even a lot of the, the new legendary-esque Pokemon, Nintendo uh, or Game Freak wanted to make them balanced enough to be able to use them so that you could have these really cool new Pokemon that you could still use them in competitive gameplay, which is great. Also, the, the introduction of Z-Moves really as a burst mechanic. I love Z-Moves. It performs the same function that they do in Pokemon Tournament. Literally, it performs the same function as a synergy move in Pokemon, and it can change the tide of battle if used properly. I mean, it, 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 it's, a, it's an awesome mechanic. It clear, I mean, I loved Mega Evolution, but Z-Moves are a much more competitive uh, skill set than the Mega Evolution. And they're more diverse because not all of the Z-Moves do damage. There's a lot of them that have other uses. If you use Eevee's signature Z-Move, you know, it, it's one of the coolest ones because it calls all the evolution evolutions in, and it boosts all of your stats, every single one of them, so that you can kind of use that strategically with Baton Pass and pass that on to another Pokemon. Um, so not all of the Z-Moves are, are uh, damage-dealing Z-Moves. There's a lot of diversity, and there was a lot of thought put into them to make them much more strategic so that you could kind of plan a lot of different strategies for, for battling. And there's some of the new Pokemon that they introduced. Yes, this the, is one of the best generations as far as the way that the Pokemon look. Stuffle and Beware have legit replaced my number one Pokemon. Mewtwo was my favorite Pokemon. That has been replaced by Stuffle and Beware. If you get a good uh, Stuffle with Fluffy and good IVs, you have a killer on your team. He can be a killer. He is one of the best Pokemon I've ever had. And he and he's just so damn cute. Despite the fact knowing that he does like to hug his trainers to death. <laughs> but he's still one of the best Pokemon I've ever used. Like the moment I got one, put it in my team. I've loved it and I it is never leaving my team. I will have a beware in every Pokemon game from this point forward because it is an awesome Pokemon. This this game the Pokemon franchise didn't really need revitalization. I mean, clearly, this 20th anniversary year has proven that this franchise doesn't need a shot in the arm. It's 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 as popular now as it was as it was back in 1996 and 1998 in America. Mm -hmm. It's a popular franchise, and this game does so much. This we haven't had this kind of expansion in a Pokemon game since Gold and Silver. Like red and blue were the were you know the games that started it all, and then you know gold and silver were the games that 
built a meta. And in 2016, Pokemon Sun and Moon are the games that will carry this franchise and make it an eSport, make it a competitive game, and they're the first Pokemon games that have a great storyline. Like, it takes a while to get to that story, but once you're in that story, the story is amazing. I mean, you deal with familial issues. Like, you you deal with the most dysfunctional in-game family you've ever seen. Yet, all the char- all the side characters work brilliantly. Like, I love How and I love Lily. And Professor Kakui is definitely the best Pokemon professor since Oak. Straight up. Guys, and November's not even done yet. So the Wii U ended its production run in Japan in November. So that's it, guys. They are not making any more Wii U's. So if you want to buy one, do it now because you're not going to get him because they're not making them anymore. Uh, but I mean, it's at the same time, it's it's a sad moment to know that the Wii U is dead. But at this point, it's kind of like a mercy killing. Like, the Wii U was, was in pain, and it needed the plug to be pulled. And it's finally been pulled. Uh, the heartbeat has stopped, you know. there's no. It has a DNR, do not resuscitate on it. It's gone. I mean, we know that they're mass-producing the Switch now. I mean, that's the upside to this. But, you know, rest in peace, Wii U. Uh... The Legend of Zelda got an escape room announced. Now, I kind of I love the concept of escape room. So basically, you're in a room, and they lock you in, and the only way out is to solve all the puzzles, find all the clues, and once you have all the clues, you find the, the, the missing object or the thing that you need to escape the room, the key, and you're done. And it's a fun little game. I think they're a cool concept. Now, imagine that on a Legend of Zelda scale where <sighs> the Legend of Zelda is all about dungeons and traversing your way through dungeons and finding the right item to proceed through the dungeon. Knowing that there's a Legend of Zelda escape room, that's an awesome concept. And, I mean, they haven't announced a lot. They've only announced six cities for it. I really hope that they come down to Florida because that is something I totally want to get in on. I would love to do a Zelda-themed game room. And since we're talking about Nintendo themes, Nintendo and Universal Studios, they released a video. It's about it was a three-minute video of Shigeru Miyamoto talking to the the head designer of Universal Studios, and they're talking about the joint production of the the, the Nintendo section of Universal Studios theme park. And we got to see some cool stuff in that video. We got to see a lot of things that we actually think will be visible in the parks i mean like in the background we saw like state like stages from mario we saw question blocks we saw mushrooms we saw a lot of cool concept stuff that i hope to see at the park because all that stuff looked really amazing in that video and an official name and yeah two weeks after that video comes out we're moving into december this month super nintendo world was announced via twitter Via Twitter, Nintendo loves to have these drive-by tweets. They did the same thing with the Nintendo Switch. We're going to have a Switch uh, Direct tomorrow. Nintendo is mean with these drive-by tweets, man. But they tweeted out Super Nintendo World. 
And that's most likely the reason why they changed the name of the Nintendo World Store. But still, the concept art that they released for the park, it looked gorgeous, bro. Everything about it looked so shiny and pretty. And I'm like, oh my god. They also announced that it's going to cost 50 billion yen to make this park. And that it's going to have costume characters, restaurants, and attractions. And then not too long after that, there was the leaked concept art for the ride with the, the mine cart and possibly the Mario Kart ride. And it just looks like this is shaping up to be an amazing theme park, man, with some great Mario themed rides. And Yes, and the Japanese park, at least the, the first of the Japanese parks, I, don't, I think it's supposed to be two in Japan or just one? There's just one. Okay, so the, so the Japanese park will be completed before the 2020 Olympics. Guys, we will be there when that park opens, and we are going to do our best to be the first Nintendo podcast to be broadcasting out of that theme park. We always plan the trip to Japan. This seems like feels like it's the perfect time to just, you know, go when they open that park because it looked gorgeous, man. Like, there were so many levels. They had two castles. They had Peach's Castle. They had Bowser Castle. They had the stage. There were Yoshi's. You could see a costume version of Peach and Toad. There was Goombas and war- drain pipes. There was just so much going on in that one picture. Oh, yeah. One picture, and it's like, you know what, guys, if, you ever, if, if you've heard that a picture speaks a thousand words, that is the most true statement about when you consider the concept art that they showed, that is that literally that statement literally becomes true. A picture says a thousand fucking words because I swear to God, I saw so much in that in that little fucking picture on my phone because that's how I saw it for the first time on my phone on Twitter after Mario After Party had sent me to it. I was like, what? I know he didn't even believe me. He I thought, thought it was fake. <laughs> I thought it was fake. I was like, is that real? Um, December was a big month though. Nintendo released their second mobile game in Super Mario Run. Now, Nice One and I have different opinions on this game, um, which we are going to get into. So, as everyone knows, costs 10 bucks, um, which wouldn't be a problem if the content could justify that. But the game takes about two and a half hours to beat. And I beat the game um, and unlocked, like, out of all the playable characters, I unlocked all of them, um, except for Toadette, within the first four days. And within the first five days, I had um, unlocked two of the, uh, the rainbows that let you kind of decorate, you know, a different island or a different page. For your kingdom, so I had three um, different pages fully decorated. I had almost all the characters unlocked. The first world I had completed 100%, all the different color coins, and uh, I had played Toad Rally extensively. And I probably got, mm, I want to say maybe like 50% of the stages with with it, just the pink coins. So I had completed a lot of this game, and. That was within five days, and I'm thinking I just paid ten bucks for this, and in less than a week I've already unlocked 
most of the content, and I was disappointed. I was actually pretty pissed off because for as much as this game costs, there's no way $10 justifies it. Now, I know there's supposed to be DLC coming out, but you know we don't know when it's coming out. We don't know what it's going to be, and we really hope you just got to hope that it's it's worth it because the, right now, like it's not worth it, and the the replayability in the coins I feel is a forced replayability because there are three yeah there are three different color coins to collect, but you you have to play the exact same stage over and over and over to get them. Some of the stages do change um, slightly when you get when you reach the black coins, but not all of them. And um, I just feel like it's forced. You could have come out with you know 26 different colors of coins and just kept making someone replay the same stage and say, oh look, that's replayability. But you know what? It's not. And I don't enjoy doing that. And because none of my friends right now have it, I couldn't really enjoy the Toad Rally either to play against their their ghost data. And Toad Rally, um, while it's the saving grace of that game, in my opinion, you have to use a ticket to play it. Now, most of the time, the game does a really good job in giving you enough tickets to play through as many Toad Rallies as you want. But if you run out of tickets, you've just paid $10 for a game that is still using a free-to-play method in limiting the amount of times you can play Toad Rally, which doesn't make sense. If I pay $10 for a game, I should never run out of tickets for Toad Rally. I should be able to play that game as many times as I want, but you can't. And that was another frustrating thing. And, you know, I think it's it's a disservice to the fans as well to only come out with it for iOS, being as there are more Android phones in the world than iPhones. So... I was not happy with the game. I was really pissed off. I felt like I was burned. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, you've spent more money on Pokemon Go. Yes, but the difference is I had a choice. You can play Pokemon Go and be successful without spending any money. It's your choice whether you want to spend that money. And I chose to spend the money on Pokemon Go. I didn't have a choice with Super Mario Run. I had to pay $10 to unlock that. And it ended up not being worth it. So for me, very, very disappointing game. Mario Octoparty's opinion on this game is so bad that I literally had to go leave the room, guys. <laughs> I literally, if you're watching the video version, you saw me get up and walk out and take a piss because I was pissing on his opinion. That's not the real reason. I pissed on his opinion. No, seriously, guys, though. I love Mario Run, and I don't have a problem with the price point whatsoever. Uh, I think it's a fair price point for a Nintendo quality game, and I think that's what we're getting. Uh, as far as replayability is concerned, if you play the traditional Mario franchise, you know that in order to collect every item on a stage, you will be replaying a stage over and over until you mastered it. So I don't like to compare games based on console counterparts because they're especially you know mobile games to a console counterpart because they're not console games and they they're gonna be some changes that that just can't be replicated on a mobile device. However, I do feel they did a great job of recapturing the way that replayability works in Super Mario Run. Another thing is that I have not beaten Mario Run yet because I'm playing Mario Run in bits and pieces. It's a it's not an endless runner. Um, it's a 
it's it's in a category in and of itself. I would say that it it huh, it's an automated runner. The character moves himself, and you have a lot more freedom than you would in a traditional endless runner. Um, and I enjoy it. I think it's a fun game. I like collecting the coins. It's something that I'm used to doing in a traditional Mario game. And it's I, I find the Toad Rally to be an interesting concept. They did update it so that you can play the Toad Rally uh, for free now. I, I think it I think it's worth the price point. And I think that Nintendo, as a company, in order to ensure that they make a quality game, should be charging the price of a quality game. Now, I've spent roughly $60 playing Pokemon Go, and I want that money back. The $10 I spent on Mario Run for the iPad, I'm glad I spent it. With Pokemon Go, I don't feel I've gained anything from spending that much money. Uh, conversely, I do have issues with the way Mario Run is actually played. My major issue with Mario Run is that if I play it on an iPhone, I don't like holding my phone in one hand. I just don't. Especially if I'm playing a mobile game, I like the security of holding my phone sideways and tapping the screen like this guys like a controller playing with one hand it's a scary proposition to me because i'm kind of clumsy i drop my phone this is not a comfortable way to play my phone plus my phone is big my phone is big and my hands aren't that big so it's it's just too much and when i'm playing on a tablet and i am hold, holding it with both hands it's too heavy after a while i don't really have a comfortable method of playing Mario Run. That's my biggest issue. Have they given me the option to turn the, the you know, the, 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 the tablet or the phone sideways, I enjoy it a lot more, but that's neither here nor there. As far as the gameplay, I find the gameplay to be fun. I find the challenge, the replayability I find in the challenge of the game, the character, the additional characters add additional challenges to the game. Uh, and the coins at a level of, you know, they help my OCD collecting the coins. I have a little bit of OCD, so I can't actually move forward in a game until I've beaten it in every way, shape, and form and gotten all those coins. I just can't do it. I play Captain Toad the exact same way. I've played every Mario game the exact same way. I got to get as many coins as I can. I don't, I feel like they did a good job with the replayability, but I could see how somebody who's just playing it to get through it for that one-time play could find that as an annoyance. Uh, but I like it. I, I have enjoyed the game. I, like I said, I haven't beaten it because when I play the game, I play for like five, ten minutes at a time. Well, you're also trying to complete every stage perfectly. Exactly. So that's different. So And, and, that's, and that's where I find the replayability, similar to how I would find it in a traditional Mario game. Uh, that being said, though, I, I own an Android cell phone because I think Android is superior OS. It's a lot more user-friendly, and I don't have to deal with iTunes. iTunes is blasphemous. I hate iTunes, and I hate Apple Music. But it's not on iTunes. I had to download this on an iPad, or, you know, when I play, have to use somebody else's iPhone. That is, it, it sucks. I mean, and to, you know, just yesterday, they announced it for the Android officially. Oh, did they give a date? No date. Okay. No date, just the uh, the notification. You can get notified for it. That happened yesterday. And I'm really hoping that the downtime isn't as long as it was for iOS because it was three months from announcement to release 
Yeah, I I think that is kind of like a big disservice to the fans. You know, especially in my situation, I have not played any Toad Rally against Nice One. Um, and, you know, although the the phone, like, you know, I, I don't have an issue with the controls like Nice One does. I'm, I'm perfectly fine, but then my phone is, is not as big as his. So I guess the phone size, um, definitely, depending on what size phone you have, uh, it could be an issue. Um, I just, for me... <laughs> it's going to be worse next year. Galaxy S8 is going to have a six-inch screen. Wow. It's going to be big. But, you know, just overall, Super Mario Run, um, the quality of, of the Nintendo, you know, games is still there. It's still... All the stages are, are well-designed. Um, the characters, they don't appear to be useful at first because only Luigi can use the mushrooms to get that um, power-up so that you can take an extra hit. Any of the other characters, once you get hit, you die. But, um, you know, especially in Toad Rally, I did find very useful ways to use Yoshi and Toad. So uh, the only character that I thought was kind of useless was Peach. But Peach is hard. She's, I don't know. I, but, but I just was, you know. If, Do you tend to overjump with Peach? Well, she, you know, you think she's going to be more floaty than she really is, and she doesn't. She doesn't glide as far as she needs to to be useful, in my <laughs> opinion. But I just for Super Mario Run, if it had been um, cheaper, I would have felt better about my purchase. But I feel like I wasted ten dollars, and. You know, I've spent about the same amount of money in Pokemon Go as Nice One has, and I I don't feel like I wasted it in Pokemon Go because it's been I've been able to put that to good use because I you know you you buy you know different kinds of items in the game and as long as you're you know spending that money on like I guess maybe in the beginning I probably wasted some of it but you know towards you know, after the first couple weeks, I realized, okay, I need to be spending this on incubators. Or- well, that's the problem. I spent so much money on incubators and got nothing. Like, the egg hatch mechanic is bad. And now we're now we're in an event. The, the December event is happening in Pokemon Go right now. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's a total cash grab. Yeah, it's a cash grab. So they want you to spend more money on incubators. And yes, they're giving you an incubator, but it's a single-use incubator, so it's it's virtually useless. I still haven't completed my American Pokedex, and I've spent, like I said, fifty dollars. And I'm really out of that fifty dollars, I spent forty on of it on incubators. And it's at this point, I'm like, this yeah. is this is stupid. This is this is a bigger waste of my money than any video game I've ever played. And that's my big issue when I compare the two games. Two very dissimilar games because they are not at all alike. But when I when I realized that I spent ten dollars on Super Mario Run and I'll pay another ten when I when it comes out on Android, that twenty dollars I spent got me more enjoyment than fifty dollars got me out of Pokemon Go. And yeah, Pokemon Go, I didn't. I had the choice. I had the choice. I chose to spend fifty dollars, and I'm still spending money on the game, but I'm not happy about it anymore. Well, for me, most of the money that I spent. Um, was not during events, so I actually made um, pretty good use of it, and I I don't feel like I wasted it. But it is it is interesting to compare the two games because you know with with Super Mario Run, it's not a free to play. It's you know you're not paying for specific 
uh, features within the game, you're paying all at once, which means that if they come out with a lot of DLC for it, it could end up being a good purchase. But right now, it's not out yet. So we don't know if it's going to end up being a good purchase. And I just don't think that a game that you can beat in two and a half hours is worth $10 of your time. Um, I know if you are OCD like nice one and you want to get that, you know, 100% completion for every stage, it adds replayability. But for me, I'm not that kind of player. And so that was a huge disappointment, huge waste of money. Um, I, I just, I was pissed. I'm not going to like go on about it because just don't need to continue to think about all the reasons why they could have made that game better. But, um, you know, it is a cash grab for what they're doing now in Pokemon Go as well, because I kind of think Niantic was like, well, how do we get people to spend money again since we don't have many active players? Oh, I know. We'll make everyone have to buy incubators because the babies can only be hatched. I don't have any babies yet. Um, I think nice one is already hatched. I have one baby. My brother has uh, all but Pichu, uh, but he spent like $100 on incubators though. And I have hatched, at this point, as of today, I've hatched 46 eggs as of today since the event started. Well, no, since they announced the babies, which start, they came out a week before the event. 46 eggs, and I hatched a smooch them. Yeah, that's With 46 bad. eggs. Now, of the 46 that I hatched, nine of them I had to hatch just to clear the space for the new babies. For the new eggs. Right. I did I had to hatch all my old ones as well. So which was annoying. Yeah, I don't hatch eggs very often. So anymore. 37 of the eggs I hatched were brand new eggs. Now that being said, I I'm not gonna complain too much because I did hatch a couple of Dratinis, which is always always a good thing in my opinion. I've never hatched one. <laughs> I've I've hatched three Dratinis, which and I've hatched a lot more eggs than you have. Three Dratinis, and I still didn't have enough to evolve another Dragonite. I just used the candy to power up the current Dragonite that I have. Um, no, um, you know what, though, your point about how, um, Nintendo needs to be able to charge a certain amount of money to kind of, you know, if they're going to produce these quality games and you want to take away that stigma that mobile games are only for bite-sized gamings or, or they're, they're only cheap games that are not worth much money. Um, I agree. Nintendo but Nintendo has to have the quality to back that price up, and right now I don't think they do. And at the moment, the two most popular mobile games on the market, which um, you know you could say are Super Mario, well, and this is one thing we know how many downloads Super Mario Run has, but we don't know how many people have paid to unlock the entire game. So that's one statistic that I would really, I really hope there's an article on that we can uh, talk about that later in a in a future episode. But you know, two of, of um, you know the some of the most popular games on the market right now, I think, are setting a bad example because right now Pokemon Go is currently in an event that is a cash grab, and Super Mario Run is charging you ten dollars for a game you can beat in two and a half hours. Mobile gaming, I think, there is a future in mobile gaming because Super Mario Run is a good game. The quality of that game, uh, all those stages individually are pretty amazing. And Pokemon Go has this unlimited potential that Niantic seems like they just don't want to tap into. But the way that they are going about it economically with how they charge people and what they're doing to do that, I think is kind of 
setting a bad example. The problem is, and and this is a, the problem with mobile gaming in general, is that there's no industry standard price point. With console games, we have been paying upwards of fifty dollars for decades. We have always paid around sixty dollars well, ex- for video games. Except during the PlayStation era, the game the game price dropped dramatically. Yeah, well, we got we were, to like thirty dollars a game. Yeah, we were paying thirty, forty bucks a game. But um, as those games became bigger endeavors for the studio and a lot more quality, right? Then we started seeing larger prices. We started seeing now. It's pro- it's not uncommon to buy a seventy dollar video game in this day and age. Uh, we've there is no industry standard in mobile games. Mobile games are either free to play, and which they basically drain your wallet one dollar at a time, or you can pay for you know some Square Enix titles cost twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. There are Square Enix titles on mobile games that cost you twenty dollars. Right. There's no industry standard, and because there's no industry standard. There is no quality control. The quality control that Nintendo spent the first 10 years of their American life building does not exist in the mobile landscape. So you're paying varying prices for games of varying quality. And that there needs to be an industry standard. And it looks like I can guarantee you any further Nintendo mobile game will retail at a $9.99 price point. We just have to hope that they continue to improve on the quality and, 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 and make that price point standard for their product on mobile devices and make sure that that product is more than just a gateway drug. Especially since Nintendo said that they want to release two to three iOS, or not iOS, sorry, they want to release two to three mobile games a year now after the success of Mitomo and Super Mario Run and also um, Pokemon Go. So that's going to be important because if you have fans that feel burned with Super Mario Run, are they going to pay $10 for the next Zelda mobile game if they feel that they're worried that maybe the content won't be there? So whatever DLC that Nintendo has in store for Super Mario Run, I hope that they come out with it within the next month. Well, Fire Emblem being the next title on deck for them, it's going to be really hard to even attempt any kind of free-to-play model. So Fire Emblem is going to have to come out hard, it's especially since Fire Emblem, it's it's popular among Nintendo fans, mm-hmm. but it's not really a mainstream game. Animal Crossing, which is the next title they have on deck after, uh, after Fire Emblem, that's their game that's going to be able to – that's a game that I envision them being able to pull in a lot of new – audience members with because animal crossing is huge and it hits the female market exactly and depending on how they implement animal crossing into the mobile world that's going to make or break nintendo's attempts at mobile games um i feel like animal crossing could be the biggest out of all the ones that you mentioned though just because even with super mario as as popular as mario is the animal crossing series i feel like it was made for mobile gaming just because of the social aspects Yep. I mean, and there are a lot of other franchises that I feel they could totally uh, bring to to life on a mobile. Like Captain Toad. I love Captain Toad. It's one of the best games I played on the Wii U. It might be the best game on the Wii U after Splatoon and Smash. Captain Toad on a mobile screen 
could be perfect because of the way you rotate. You could just swipe to rotate. True. You have so much freedom. You could actually use the accelerometer in the phone and on the gyroscopes that the phone had. You could use all the stuff that's in the gamepad exists on your mobile phone. Yes. You could make a game like Captain Toad work. I would pay $10 a thousand times for Captain Toad on a mobile device. It's, that game is like the perfect mobile game already. I mean, the, the mobile landscape, like, they're, they're, they have options of what franchises could really work on mobile devices. Animal Crossing, Captain Toad work. Now, I don't expect to see Mario Kart on a mobile device. That would no. be stupid. But I would expect to see franchises that that are transcendent like that. Or the mini Mario, the, the Mario versus Donkey Kong series with the mini, the toys. That's another game that could work on mobile because it's like Lemmings. And Lemmings should totally be, be trying to come out on the mobile landscape because that franchise was always like a point and click game. Point and click games work really good on mobile. Nintendo has franchises that they can exploit. It's odd to see them make choices. The choices that they are making are weird. Mara Runami Tomo and Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem is weird too. Those are all weird choices for mobile. But they do have games that can be played in a bite-sized capacity like the ones that I mentioned that could work amazingly on mobile and because they have the, the right now the idea is that nintendo is going to bring quality to mobile that's the idea that's that's what we're all going into thinking if they truly want to bring the quality bring the games that already work in the mobile landscape to the mobile landscape yeah that's an excellent point and i you know it's good that we're talking about um so much mobile news for the month of december because even though it's our year in review talking about the month of December is still current. So, and it's going to set the tone for the mobile landscape in 2017. What's happening right now. It's kind of setting that tone and hopefully, you know, Nintendo learns from what works and what doesn't work. And they continue to kind of tweak that formula so that there is some kind of an industry standard. Cause I agree. I think that's another great point that you made. We don't have an industry standard and we really need one. And uh, I just, you know, I know Nintendo is is testing the waters. They're kind of, you know, getting their feet wet with Mitomo and Super Mario Run. So hopefully 2017, they kind of come out with, with the big guns and we see some um, games that, that start to redefine mobile gaming in the way that Pokemon Go did. Because Niantic knocked it out of the park, even though, you know, not perfectly, but they, they had a huge hit. Oh, well, still a home run. I mean, Grand Slam, Niantic just, you know, they they did it right with Pokemon Go. They redefined, you know, what it means to consider, like, to talk about mobile gaming. They created, essentially, they created their own genre almost because, um, you know, they came out with Ingress too. So even if you want to say, well, Pokemon Go is really similar to Ingress, still Niantic. They created that genre of augmented reality gaming, and it's really... Uh, that's going to continue to grow in 2017 as well. You know, the only thing Mario Run did better was uh, really, like, out the gate was the marketing campaign. Like, Mario Mario Run was unveiled at an Apple keynote. And that that's, first off, doing anything with Apple is, like, money in the bank. But second, the way that they decided to unveil the game was on Jimmy Fallon. Uh, and they did a couple other things on Jimmy Fallon. We're going to talk about that too. But bringing Mario Run to Jimmy Fallon, putting it on national TV, 
in front of a very large viewing uh, audience because Jimmy Fallon gets decent ratings for NBC. That was really that was brilliant, you know, unveiling the trailer for Super Mario Run on Jimmy Fallon, showing, you know, gameplay, having Shigeru Miyamoto there. Yeah, uh, that was huge. That having was him huge. play with the roots was like a dream that I never thought I, I had was to watch Miyamoto play guitar with the roots. But that was pretty awesome. But they showed it off on Jimmy Fallon and they made the game. You know, it was a great, it was a good promotional machine for Nintendo. That was a good machine for Nintendo to promote Super Mario Run on. But not only that, but they brought the fucking Switch to Jimmy yes, Fallon. That was huge. They brought Breath of the Wild. Jimmy Fallon was, Jimmy Fallon is a hardcore gamer. I didn't know it, but he knows so much about, you know, Nintendo's IPs. He knows so much about the world of Zelda, and I was impressed. And uh, we talked about that a lot just because I think the biggest question that we had was why was Reggie so nervous? He looked like he was terrified up there, and he yeah. was used to presenting things. <laughs> yeah, and it's not the first time Reggie's been on Jimmy Fallon. No, so what was up with that? No, I think it's just because Nintendo products have a habit of failing on the E3 stage. Where, like, they unveiled the Motion Control Plus, which was supposed to give one-to-one for the Wii, and all the Bluetooth signals in the building that day were interfering with the controller so they couldn't get it to work. Uh, they've had other technical difficulties while trying to unveil games. This is the one time that if their system flopped, because this system, we know so very little. As much as we know about the Switch, we know so very little about it. So if it doesn't work on national TV and that shit fucks up, curtains for the Switch right out the gate. Yep. Curtains, just, that's it. It's well, a wrap, put a fork in it, it's done. And you know what? They did a great job with it on Jimmy Fallon, and Jimmy was so hyped for that. He was like... Shaking. I mean, he was so excited that you really, you could feel the excitement and the energy, which just made it all the, the better to promote it with. But they almost fucked up. And I, not a lot of people talked about it. Um, but, you know... Reggie, you did it backwards. You had Zelda Breath of the Wild on that massive projector with the big screen that the entire audience could see. And then you decided that when you let Jimmy actually play it, you were going to have him play it undocked. With, yeah, with the Switch undocked so that thankfully, you know, the, the late night show has excellent cameramen and they were able to zoom in and capture all of the footage without any sort of um, glares that would have, you know, made it so that you couldn't really see what was going on. They, they managed, you could see what Jimmy was doing. You could see everything that was happening, but you, the, the cameraman had to go over his shoulder and get that image when he was playing it. And that could have gone horribly wrong if they were not able to translate that to the TV audience, because you should have started it when you were playing it, on the switch undocked put it back in the dock let jimmy play it on the big screen show the whole audience the big screen because that would have been a lot better a lot clearer a lot easier and they almost fucked it up by doing it backwards like that i was like oh my god that being said though that cameraman got like the perfect angle and and what we saw was how beautiful the screen on the, the 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 tablet itself is like 
I was like, I tell you what, I was like, that's got to be outputting like 720p because that looks fucking gorgeous. Nintendo needs to send that cameraman a free Nintendo Switch with the entire launch lineup because he saved them. He saved them because they did not present that the right way, but it worked. They pulled it off. But I'm telling you, that cameraman on Jimmy Fallon saved the day because why they decided to show the gameplay footage of Jimmy playing on the undocked <laughs> Switch, I I don't know. It but. was it was it was it was a huge mistake, but man, like at the end of the day, it paid off. And the the the, the viewing audience that the Jimmy Fallon the late night show with Jimmy Fallon has is fucking huge. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. I mean it's it was probably the best way to showcase the Nintendo Switch. It was so smart to have it on a nationally broadcast, nationally syndicated show. You're going to see, if you watch late night television and you watch Jimmy Fallon, you see it all across the country. Yeah, especially when you watch it later, if you TiVo it or if you watch it on YouTube. Well, and then Jimmy, I watched a clip of it on YouTube. You know, Well, that's the brilliance of how they do the Jimmy Fallon show. Like, Jimmy Fallon is he's very smart. I, I think... As a comedian, he doesn't get as much credit for actually how smart he is as, as just as a person. But the way that they market uh, the Jimmy Fallon show is brilliant. Like they they take popular segments from the previous night's show immediately get uploaded to YouTube after they're done broadcasting. So if you missed it and you get on YouTube, when I got on YouTube the next day, it was the first thing I saw. In my recommended list on YouTube was Jimmy Fallon, the, the, the you know, Reggie, Jimmy Fallon, and Shigeru Miyamoto. All that was the first thing I saw when I opened up YouTube. I'd seen it the night before, but because it was there and easily available to me, I watched it again on YouTube. And I was like, brilliant. This, that's brilliant. Like, whoever, mar- whoever does the marketing camp, the social media for the late night show with Jimmy Fallon is smart because as big as the, the audience is for the late night show, the late show with Jimmy Fallon, the market of people who watch YouTube is bigger because YouTube is on every mobile device, every computer. Fuck, I have it on my Wii, my PS4, my TV has access to YouTube. I can watch YouTube on every device in my house and outside of my house. I can watch YouTube. Everywhere I go, I can watch YouTube. It's so accessible, especially if that's one of the first things that pops up in my recommended list is to watch the late show clips. It was a brilliant way and it really worked in Nintendo's favor and the hype that it got everybody was talking about it after the fact. Everybody was talking about how Jimmy Fallon got to unveil the Nintendo Switch and Breath of the Wild playing on the Switch. So fucking brilliant. So guys, one more news story came out this week. It's the last thing we're going to talk about as far as 2016 before we wrap things up and talk a little bit about what we expect in 2017. A controller patent wasn't, was leaked. And um, right now, Nintendo has a new console on the horizon, right? So do you think that any controller patent that leaks might be a potential controller for the Switch? We got a control. We we got the unveiling of a very similar controller through via a patent leak. The Super NES controller was repatented by Nintendo. Now this could just be Nintendo re-upping the patent. It's so, not. 
so that they could still have it. No. Nope. But what we think it is, and like everybody should be thinking it is, is that this is the first sign in Nintendo releasing a Super NES Classic Edition, a mini Super NES with 30 of its own brilliant titles. We talked about this last month when they unveiled the uh, NES Classic, what games we want on a Super NES Classic. Battletoads. Mario, uh, Donkey Kong 1, 2, and 3, Super Mario World, Yoshi's Island. Just a long NBA jam. Battletoads, so I can finally beat that game. There, if, if the SNES Classic is... If Nintendo is going to continue the Classic line... Oh, yeah, that would be smart. Because it would be brilliant. The, you know, the NES Classic was... With the NES Classic and Hatchimals were the hottest holiday toys this season. Nintendo could have the holiday, the hottest holiday toy of 2017 by continuing the trend and releasing the NES Classic. That would be brilliant. But because you know now we're we're heading into what we expect for for 2017 with the year in review. You know, will they learn from their hardware shortages? Because we have seen in 2016. That you know, they kind of failed with the Pokemon Go Plus, and it hurt them. It hurt them in their sales. Now the NES Classic is going to hurt them too. I know we had this conversation just um, yesterday. Just yesterday, it won't hurt them as much as Pokemon Go Plus because Pokemon Go Plus the window is a lot shorter. You know, for the NES Classic, you're just capitalizing on people's nostalgia, so that doesn't ever really go away. So, you know. I think they're still going to lose some sales because they didn't have their act together this Christmas, but they're not going to lose as much as they did with Pokemon Go Plus because people, that nostalgia doesn't go away. And there's going to be people that still want the NES Classic. But in 2017, is Nintendo going to, because the Switch is getting more hype than I think they anticipated. Is, are they going to learn with the Switch so that they can meet the demand for the launch? Well, the first thing they have to do is make pre-orders. That's the biggest problem with the NES Classic was the lack of pre-orders on the console. Uh, Nintendo has always had this habit of creating their own shortages. Not out of like... Uh, they, like they, I mean, come on. They've been manufacturing consoles for 30... 30 plus years, they know how to make, manufacture, and distribute a console. Nintendo forcefully causes these shortages. They make enough, they don't ship out enough. I read somewhere that they had initially made something like 2.3 million NES Classics, yet they sold out, but the sell through number was 198,000. Right, but it wouldn't make sense if that were true because. All of those should have been released before Christmas if they wanted to make that money. Because if they don't, they just hurt themselves. Well, I mean, they're still trickling out. Like, if you on my Twitter feed, if I were to go and check the earliest tweet, the the first tweet I saw this morning was from Nintendo New York saying that they will start selling NES classics at 9 a.m., which means that the Nintendo store in New York is steadily getting a readily supply. And this has been every day for the last two weeks. They have tweeted that they will sell. NES Classics, which means every day they're getting shipments of NES Classics, restocking and re and selling mm -hmm. Classics. They have the units. The problem is, is Nintendo does not... Their, Nintendo has always had a, an, an issue with distribution, and it's, a, it's one that they've created. They have created this issue. GameStop this week 
on Wednesday was selling NES classics until they had none left to sell. They their units exist. They're they're they they're in a factory somewhere, waiting to be shipped. And Nintendo is refusing to ship out the amount needed. Maybe it's because they're scared of losing money. Maybe knowing that the system is sold out is, is because of the buzz that it's causing is creating more revenue for them in the long run. But right now, the people who are really making money off the NES Classic are the people who are buying and reselling for $250. Well, the strategy of coming out with a scarce amount to create hype and to to make people want it more only works if you eventually release the amount to, to meet the demand for it. And they didn't do that this holiday season, and they still haven't done it now that this holiday season is over. So, you know, we're looking into 2017 – and there are two really, really big opportunities Nintendo has to make 2017 a successful year for them. And that is to meet the demand with the Nintendo Switch. And then again, if they come out with a Super NES Classic towards the end of 2017, which I think would be a brilliant move, and they meet the demand with that, they, you know, they don't, it, I get it, like, things are going to be sold out, but if it's sold out and only like 10% of the people that wanted one got it, then you're failing. If it's sold out and, you know, 80 or 90% of the people who wanted one got it and they're, they're, the amount of people left aren't that great, then you succeeded because you anticipated the demand almost exactly. So we just need to make sure that, well, Nintendo needs to make sure that they, they get their act together and that they anticipate that demand so that the numbers that they ship are a lot closer to the actual number of people that want to get it. Yeah, the only shortage I forgive Nintendo for is the Amiibo shortage, and that's just because when they initially unveiled Amiibo, everybody's like, I don't want it. That's stupid. I don't want an Amiibo. It doesn't do anything. And then when they actually came out and everybody started buying them, of course Nintendo couldn't anticipate the demand no. because because the buzz around it was negative. It was a negative buzz around a Nintendo product that ended up being a phenomenon. Like, hunting for an amiibo became a catchphrase on the show. Came when, thing. <laughs> you know, well, if you, if you listen, like, I close every episode of my unboxing videos as watch out for amiibo hunters on the prowl. Because amiibo hunting was so rabid in the early days because you never knew if they were going to have enough Amiibo to fulfill the demand. So people were camping out waiting for the smash line of Amiibo. And it became a running joke that I had that Amiibo hunters were on the prowl and you need to watch out for them. Well, and let's be real, not all of the Amiibos were hard to find. When Nintendo came out with them, there were some Amiibos that, despite the crazy demand, were always in stock. You could always find Pikachu. You could always find Mario. You could always find Link. Link. Um, you could... For the most part, you could always find Princess Peach. Um, mm -hmm. there, there were a lot that you could always find in the beginning. So they had the most popular characters. They had them from the beginning, and they had enough. It's just that if they had had, like, enough of the... Obscure. Well, yeah, if they had enough of the Villager or the Wii Fit Trainer, they would never have sold out. Mark. Like, the amount of... The amount that they have sold for the Wii Fit Trainer and Villager, if they had had that amount upon release, they would never have sold it. The only reason that those 
became in demand is because you couldn't get them. And that is one of the, you know, that's one area where that strategy kind of works. And I don't think they anticipated it. They just, they knew that not a lot of people would want that. But then when they sold out and people couldn't get it, it became, well, I got to collect all the Amiibos. And then it created demand for that. So that's one area where you would never have sold that amount if you had come out with it earlier. In the situation of the NES Classic, if you had launched a million in the United States, you would have sold out still, and it would you still would have sold more. So the demand would have been the same. But um, but you're right; it's not their fault with the Amiibo. Although that was another issue in 2016 with shortages that we had to deal with. So are we gonna have to deal with this in 2017? I hope not. Yeah. No, I I completely agree with you. Uh, let's move on to what are we looking forward to in 2017. I kind of got a few things like on my mind. Like I'm looking forward to this switch event uh, coming up in was it mm-hmm. two weeks now? January 12th. January 12th. Two weeks, guys. We're going to be talking about the the switch. We're going to know all about it. We're going to know what it is going to be. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be incredible to know what the system can truly do. Um, Looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to maybe an NES class, SNES classic because, as a child, the SNES was one of the best consoles I had ever played. It's still to date one of my favorite Nintendo consoles. It's only overshadowed by the Wii U, and that's just because even the Wii U as a console is not a success. I think it's the best versions of all my favorite games came out on the Wii U, but the Super NES had amazing games, the Donkey Kong franchise, Mario World, um, NBA Jam, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter 2. There are so many great games that I got to play on the Super NES. Clay Fighters! Like, there were so many great games that I could, I would, I'm begging that show up on a Super NES Classic Edition. Ninja Turtles. Oh, man. Turtles. The one that you could play uh, four players. Oh, yeah. Turtles, uh, no, the, yeah, it's just called Turtles, Team- Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time. Yeah. So many great games that are available on the Super NES that, like, my mind, my imagination runs wild on what that could be. And I kind of want to hear more news about what's going to happen at Universal Studios. We know what's happening in Universal Studios Japan. I would like to see some concept art for the American parks. So, I mean, we have two parks here. We have one in Hollywood and we have one in Orlando. I would like to see some concept art of what we can expect at those theme parks. I don't care if it's 90% the same. I don't care if it's 100% the same, but I would like to have an idea of what's actually coming to the American parks. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the things that those are some of the news stories I look forward to in 2016, and possibly I would like to, 17. I'm sorry, and I would like to know if we are getting a second iteration of Splatoon. Splatoon in 2017. Right. That those are my those are the things I'm looking forward to in 2017. How about you, brother? Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to a lot of the same things. I'm definitely looking forward to Nintendo's commitment to esports and seeing what they have in store. We have Pokemon Tournament. We have Smash. Um, we're going to have a lot more upcoming um, esports activity in Pokemon Sun and Moon now. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, the game that I'm most interested in is Splatoon. There have been a lot of rumors that the Splatoon we're getting on the Switch is just going to be an enhanced version along with Mario Kart, uh, that they're not going to be sequels. But, you know, 
those are just rumors. They haven't been confirmed. And there really isn't any, there's not anything credible coming from that source. It's just, I've seen a lot of articles saying that, well, it's, it's a Nintendo insider, but it's not someone who works for Nintendo. So, you know, it remains to be seen um, whether or not that's actually going to happen. And, you know, regardless of whether or not it's an enhanced version of Splatoon or Splatoon 2, Nintendo made a huge statement in their trailer for the Switch that we are going to be seeing a lot of esports in the Splatoon world. And I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I really hope that it is Splatoon 2 because I think when you, you know, even even the little glimpse that we got in that trailer, when, when you start um, coming out with uh, new hairstyles, the fact that you can wear pants, new clothes, new, new maps, uh, yeah, new weapons, eventually you get to the point where it's not really an enhanced version anymore. It's a sequel because you're changing, like, everything. But... We will see. We will see what happens. But I'm definitely interested. Um, I'm looking forward to esports in 2017. I'm looking forward to um, DLC for Pokémon in 2017. Because right now we have four characters. We have Darkrai, Scizor, Krogunk, and Empoleon that have all been confirmed for the arcade version that we don't have for the console version. And I would love to get my hands on those characters. And Absolutely. I think it's also important... Because we know we're going to see Pokemon Tournament in the esports in 2017, so we need to have those uh, DLC characters, you know, put on the Wii U. Uh, I know the Wii U is, you know, dead as far as the uh, production is concerned, but it doesn't mean that they can't still support the games on it by coming out with DLC. So I really hope that we get that DLC in 2017. Um, Pokemon Go Gen Two is coming. I know it's coming in uh, 2017. Uh, Niantic, you know what you have to do for all the other updates that we've been begging for, but I am looking forward to that for uh, Pokemon Go. And then, um, of course, like you know, you said with uh, the Switch presentation on January 12th, that is going to precede the Switch release on um, March. well in the month of March. They haven't confirmed yet. So the Switch is coming out in March. That's going to be huge. And... Um, those are the things that, that I'm looking forward to the most. Um, that's all I got. What about 2016? Now that we're wrapping it up, what is the thing that you think you were most excited about in the, in the year 2016? What was the thing that was your, what was your highlight of 2016? We went into it and we thought it was going to be bleak. We went into 2016 thinking that things were bad for Nintendo. I think we closed the year on a high note with mm -hmm. them. But what is this thing that was the most important thing that they did? What was your highlight of 2016? Um, wow, it's really hard to, to pick one thing. I, I think that um, Pokemon Sun and Moon was, was a really bright spot for me just because from the initial um, reveal of Pokemon Sun and Moon, it just, you know, it it was a really bright spot and it, it gave us more and more to look forward to until the release in November. And then when it finally came out in November, um, it lived up to the, to the expectations. And so throughout the whole year, it was like a lot of good, positive, um, you know, information that we were getting and 
2016 was filled with so many negative things. Um, Pokemon, Pokemon Sun and Moon was, was a huge bright spot for me. Um, I, I kind of, I also want to say just that Pokemon Go for the initial month or two um, did something that no other game in history has ever done. And it is truly one of those rare situations that if you got to be a part of it, you're, you're going to remember it for a long time. Oh, it may never be replicated. The, so, the initial success of Pokemon Go may yeah, never be replicated. That, that was special. That was a really great way to spend my summer, and it was special. I met a lot of new people, um, made some new friends, and just ultimately um, had an experience playing that game that I've never had with with any other game even come close. So, you know, between Pokemon Sun and Moon and Pokemon Go, that really made 2016 um, a really good year, despite it being a bad year for the Wii U. See, for me, I think the things that stand out, the thing that stands out to most, the most to me is the entire Pokemon 20th anniversary celebration because that's what it felt like. It felt like a celebration. It felt like a true anniversary. It felt like everything that the Pokemon company uh, and you know the people that they worked with did was amazing. We had three brilliant games come out from the Pokemon company. We had Pokemon Poke Tournament to start things off here in America. Then we had Pokemon Go, which was such a Scary, phenomenal craze. Um, then we, we closed this year out with Pokemon Sun and Moon, which are, without a, without a doubt, the best generation of any Pokemon game to ever come out thus far. And we didn't even talk about Pokemon Generations. Oh, no, we didn't. And Pokemon Generations was another thing that they did that was just absolutely brilliant. Everything that the Pokemon company did in 2016 felt extravagant. The Super Bowl commercial was extravagant. They spent like $5 million on that commercial. Like, and for me, that commercial, like, it was like, it represented to me a thank you. It was like they said, thank you for playing for the last 20 years of your life. Thank you for being here every step of the way. This is how we pay homage to you, the trainer. It felt like everything the Pokemon company did was was a great move. Like, say what you want about Pokemon Go. Like, it has flaws. The, the longer the tooth the game gets, the, the, you know, the more apparent the flaws become. But that game is brilliant. And never, it, like I said, in my lifetime, I've never seen more people united through a video game than any other game. And it will never happen again. It will never happen again. Nobody's ever going to be able to do that again. And... Maybe not even them, but it was it was it was beautiful while it lasted, and everything the Pokemon Company had their hands in felt amazing. And I'm glad that I was part of this. Glad to be a part of the moment. Glad to share in the excitement and the experience of this 20th anniversary. And I can only hope that when they get to the 25th anniversary, that they do things bigger, better, and better. So, guys, that's it. That's the year in review. It was a long episode, very long, but I feel like 
that's what you that's what these year year review episodes are about like we're talking about an entire year's worth of news a, a whole year's worth of highs and lows like big upsets and big upsets you know like there's so much it's it's and this is what I like about these episodes because it's like we we get to decompress like we've had this whole year worth of craziness and now we're decompressing everything we're giving you our final thoughts and we're just getting it all off our chest and I'm going into 2017 with you know with renewed invigor I'm invigorated for what is going what Nintendo's going to do in 2017 what we're going to do as a podcast in 2017 uh, I want to announce it here on the show that I have more interviews coming uh, in the new year I will be interviewing the screenplay writer for the Pokemon Live uh, stage show. Uh, I wanted to unveil that tomorrow after party here on live on the show that we are going to be interviewing the guy who wrote that screenplay. I'm excited about that because I mean it, it's a weird moment in Nintendo history that Nintendo and probably the Pokemon company would like to forget, but you know it exists. And you know I'm going to be looking for way more interviews in 2017. We had two great ones this year. Thank you, Blake J. Harris. Thank you, Tom Kalinsky, for being part of this show and and just making our podcast better with your presence um obviously guys we're gonna be we're gonna be here for you every month um with with new episodes we loved i love doing this show this is one of the best things i've done (laughs) in my life i love being able to get on this microphone and talk to you guys and just be maybe that dissenting voice because it seems like a lot of media that gets centered around Nintendo is negative and I want to make sure that I can be positive when everybody else is being negative and guy and that doesn't exclude me from being negative I've been negative on this show plenty of times but I've also made sure to point out how strongly I love Nintendo and you know their franchises their games their consoles I love Nintendo guys that's why I do this show it's because I love Nintendo and I want to keep doing this show I want to keep making this show bigger, badder, better. So guys, 2017, I promise you, we're coming hard. All right, guys, before I let you go, got to hit you up with these awesome ways to hit us up on social media. You can hit us up on Twitter, at nice 983 and at Mario Party. You can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nintendo Power Zone, all one word, Nintendo Power Zone. You can hit us up by email, thesplatzones at gmail.com. If you like watching the podcast you can hit the podcast up on youtube.com slash user slash the article t-h-a-a-r-t-i-c-l-e go ahead and download new episodes on itunes google play music and stream them on stitcher if you like awesome unboxing videos check the youtube page if you like mario party's awesome in-depth analysis on pokemon go and the seven things you might have missed in the alone region you gotta check out his videos all on youtube and if you love the music that you get to hear in the show, go ahead and check out GameChops.com or search GameChops on YouTube and find all these awesomely fantastic video game remixes that they provide. And if you want to email me personally, you can email me at theafterpartysound at gmail.com. Also, I have my own YouTube channel. Just search for Mario After Party on YouTube. I'm the only one there. So, um, but with that said, you guys already know. Stay, stay fresh. fresh.